Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, Wickham. Are you in High Wycombe right now? The sort of question you have to ask yourself if you're in High Wycombe. Do you know what High Wycombe is? Get yourself a ticket for the Football Ramble tonight, Saturday the 19th. We're going to be down there having a load of fun. That's ramblelive.com. Mrs. Thatcher is on her way home from the Falklands after a visit to HMS Anthem. A Russian from the International Wheat Organization is expelled from Britain as a spy. And the explorer who's training for the North Pole in a Surrey refrigerator. L'Aberdeen, per passare il turno, deve assolutamente vincere. Ci riesce con you. Hello everyone, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, Jonathan Wilson is of course opposite me. And on today's show we have Johnny Northcroft, Sunday Times football correspondent and author of Fearless, the amazing underdog story of Leicester City and also author of Deadlines, Darts and Delhi, his World Cup diary focusing on England's rebirth at Russia and other unexpected tales. And also, Johnny, I will say this about you, you're a fine centre-half as well. Oh. Thank you very much. Was. <laughs> it's lovely to have you on the show, my good man. Thank you very much. Um, today's game, you've gone for the 1982-83 European Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinal between Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen and the mighty Bayern Munich. Why, Johnny, have you gone for this game? Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's for me, it's just the, the game that probably stands above anything in my in my life without getting to um in, in football in, in, in terms <laughs> good, of, good to clarify just in case my wife's watching this thing <laughs> probably in life actually um it had it's got so much from a, a personal sort of professional and just football point of view mm-hmm. i mean first of all the greatest experience i've ever had watching 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 football i was um 12 years old i was there with my dad and uh i think anyone that was at the ground any aberdeen supporter will talk about that even above the the Cup Winners' Cup final, which came a few weeks later against Real Madrid, that that, that is the iconic game for any Aberdeen fan to have been been at. Um, but it's also a game that sort of stayed with me throughout my my sort of 
life, really, I suppose, because one of my big breaks, I guess, in, in journalism came waiting for When Saturday Comes. The first piece I wrote for them was a piece about uh, Aberdeen versus Bayern Munich. Um, uh, the first piece I wrote for the national edition of Sunday Times was, again, rehashing the same old stories that I'm going to rehash again now. <laughs> um, and that was in 99 when uh, Man United played Bayern in the, in, the, in the European Cup final and I was Scottish correspondent and suggested, you know, you might want a piece about the, the, the first time Alex Ferguson played Bayern Munich. So it's been really important to me. And then also, sort of on, on, on a family note, um, I got home from that game with my with my dad, and we we learned that my my granddad had passed away. So it, it, it's a you know there's a lot bound up with that game. But even if none of the personal and professional stuff was was there, it, it you know the greatest sort of fifteen to twenty minutes of my life. <laughs> and it and it was subjectively a great game. It was. it was great goals, great moments and so on, and, and a great comeback ultimately from Aberdeen. Uh, yeah, and a, <clears throat> a fantastic second leg of a, of, of a, you know, classic European knockout tie where, uh, you know, nil-nil in the first leg, Aberdeen go to, to, to Munich, get a result that's felt to be way above their capabilities, and then everything's poised with, with the away goals rule. At Petrodri and just a game that, you know, seesaws back and forwards. Um, Aberdeen didn't actually lead the tie until 13 minutes from time. And <laughs> I think those victories where you, you just come from almost nowhere and, 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 and steal them, there's a sweetness to that, especially when you're, you're stealing them from, you know, sort of German aristocrats like Karl-Heinz Ruhmann <laughs> and Paul Breitner and so on. Magnificent. What was, what was the mood like in, in Aberdeen? Alex Ferguson, of course, is in mm. charge. Aberdeen are having a great time. One of the best periods in their history, yeah. You would you would you would say so. The city, in terms of football, must have been a, a very enjoyable place to be. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about an incredible time generally for the city because it was the height of the oil oil boom as well. So there was a sense that this little you know Scottish city had really found itself almost at the centre of the of the world. Briefly, you know, money was pouring in, uh, property was booming, jobs everywhere. Aberdeen was was suddenly in the news and Alex Ferguson arrived in, in 1978, nine, uh, so 79 and just, you know, caught, caught the wave of that perfectly. I mean, we, you know, we, we didn't know it at the time, but we were acquiring, you know, possibly the greatest manager in history. But what we did know at the time was from the moment he turned up and Aberdeen had had good managers before, it had Billy McNeil and Ali McLeod and Jimmy Bonthrin. We had good managers, but there was something different and combative and, and special and, sort of crusading about this guy. And at the time of, of 1982-3, um, you know, looking back, he was only 42. He was kind of Frank Lampard's age. He was mm. he was a very young man, uh, you know, at the time. He didn't he didn't seem that. I guess managers just generally seemed seemed older. But he still had so much of his career ahead of him. Uh, and, and yet it was such a pinnacle at such, a, such an early stage. And, you know, Aberdeen had come from being the third or the fourth force in Scotland, won the league under... Fergie in 1979-80. In classic Ferguson style, the minute they won the league for for Scottish Championship for 25 years, he immediately berated his players for being one one trophy wonders. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And and then, you know, Celtic were very good at the time. Dundee United were good. Rangers weren't so good. But we went through a period of, of really competing hard for... The titles. Well, Dundee United in the eighties were excellent, fabulous team. Yeah, you know, and at that point, Dundee United had their own European history and were beating Barcelona, and and arguably she could have won the European Cup in that time. But but in that period, you know, Aberdeen were sort of 
fighting to become the, the, the top team in, in Scotland, which they did after 1983, really. You know, convincingly, the three years after that, just dominated Scottish football. But in Europe, that was the that was where Aberdeen, you got these glimpses of perspective. You know, you knew you had the special team in domestic terms, but, you know, Aberdeen played Liverpool in 1980 and were given a football lesson, given an absolute lesson in, in, in European football, in, you know, smart football, just that extra level of mentality and quality. And then... Do you, you think know, that underpinned Fergie's attitude to Liverpool later? <clears throat> undoubtedly, because when, when, he, when he went down to Anfield to, to scout Liverpool, um, he, was, he, was, he felt he was really patronised. He, he, he sat next to, to Bill Shankly in the stand and, and Shankly apparently said to him, ah, you've come to watch our team. They, they all try that, son. And he went. And he went away feeling, you know, <laughs> feeling was that, was that his uh, Brian Clough, you know, in Don Revy's yeah. Leeds? Was that came to town? Was that his moment? Do you think with Liverpool? Something like yeah. He, he just strikes me as a man who doesn't forget folks. He, 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 he can bear a grudge, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and yet Shankly by then was absolutely not part of Liverpool. He wasn't hierarchy, so no, that's why he was, <laughs> was hang, outside hanging, hanging about yeah. with the opposition manager. I guess exactly. And that was probably his job, though, was to. Just kind of sledge the opposition, <laughs> <laughs> which apparently with differing results, of course. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and there was bad blood in that tie actually because you know Liverpool thumped Aberdeen in the second leg four 0 but in the first leg it was much more poised. It was at Petodre, and um, I can forget which Kennedy. One of the Kennedys, I think it was Ray Kennedy, um, broke John McMaster's leg. John McMaster, <laughs> who we'll talk about in in, in the Bayern Munich game. A fabulous talent and had just got into the Scotland squad and you know he was before Strachan he was our proper playmaker and this was a brutal tackle and and um, it, it created a lingering sort of bad feeling so that probably is where it came from with, mm. with Fergie and Liverpool. So I think it's the, worth saying you, you, what you were mentioning about Europe sort of giving you a glimpse of perspective mm. some cup winners cups you sort of they, all, they almost feel a bit cheap feel like a bit mm. of a freebie this one mm. <laughs> it, I mean, it looks like a oh yeah like a Champions League last eight makeup. I mean, Tottenham had already gone out. You know, very good Tottenham yeah. side of, of uh-huh. Archibald and, and Hoddle and uh, Garth Crooks had already gone out to Bayern. And then you, you look at those quarterfinals. You, you got Bayern Aberdeen. You got PSG were beaten by by uh, Vatashai, uh, Genk, as yeah. we would would now know them from Belgium. A, a good Austria Vienna side uh, who put out Barca on away goals. And then Inter and Real Madrid in the fourth game. It's <laughs> it's an astonishing, astonishing quality in in that that last eight. No, it's it it mental, and I mean, I guess it was, it was an accident of, of what was happening. But Real Sociedad had won the La Liga, mm-hmm. so you had Real Madrid and Barcelona in the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, Barcelona were the holders. They they they, they had Maradona. They they they'd won in front of a hundred thousand the year before. You know, it's it's a serious trophy for them. Then you had Bayern Munich because because they'd been in the European Cup final. Eight, eight or nine months before, lost it to Aston Villa, and had got pipped in the league, I think, by Hamburg. Um, so they, you know, they weren't in as well. And then um, Juventus were, you know, Italy's top team, but Inter weren't far behind. They had a lot of the the World Cup winning squad from '82, um, and it's hard now to to kind of tell people that the Cup Winners' Cup counted, but it definitely at the time felt. Like it was, you know, the the slightly younger brother of the European Cup, mm. but yeah, I mean, I the think middle brother. On average, you'd say the UEFA Cup tended to be higher quality, but this mm. particular year, yeah. the Cup Winners Cup is well, extraordinary. Because I mean, like, let's not forget that Hamburg winning the league wasn't a freakish thing. They, they went on mm, and won sure. the European Cup this year, mm. 
So it wasn't that Bayern had sort of lost out to some no. minnow. They'd lost out to a really, really good side well, with well, Kevin Keegan. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And it's important to remember that in those days, it was only the best team from each country that went into the European Cup because people mm. often think of these other trophies well. Nowadays in the Europa League, it's sort of the fifth and sixth best teams around uh, some of the leagues. No, no, no. It was only the top one. Yeah. who went into the European Cup, of course, in those days. So you are playing against the second best and the third best, potentially, of course, yeah. and, had they've won the Cup. And another thing for Aberdeen, I mean, we had to play a, pre- a preliminary, preliminary round um, in, in that, and it was something like mid-August when yeah. Aberdeen should have still been kind of pre-season training, um, played a, you know the Swiss champion, Sion. Put them um, to the sword, though. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> Eleven-one on aggregate. Didn't forget that in Bayern. <laughs> never have done. No, I mean, but that was it. That, that was... You know, beat C on 11-1 and that was the first sort of glimpse that maybe this European campaign is going to be a little bit different because Aberdeen had come up short before. But then second second game was, was Dinamo Tirana where the, uh, you know, there was all the challenges of going to Albania which, you know, the dictatorship at the time. They wouldn't allow Fergie to actually go to Albania and scout um, scout Tirana at all. He, had, he knew nothing about them. Mm. The match programme for the, the, the home leg, there was just a big blank space where the opposition <laughs> squad should have been. <laughs> Nobody knew who was in their team and they, they were pretty decent. None of your players had beards, did they? Uh, no, no. Because that had obviously been an issue with Danny McGrain. Was that before that, the Danny <laughs> McGrain incident? When Danny McGrain had, beards had been banned in Albania <laughs> and <laughs> Danny McGrain had to get special dis- dispensation to, <laughs> to go in with a, as a Celtic captain he would have been, yes, would he? would have been, yeah. Right. To, yeah. to be allowed to have a beard in Albania. Amazing. Yeah, how different it was back then. Well, they come through that tie, only 1-0 on aggregate, yeah. which shows you um, that the, the, the Dino Tirana were a decent side. They were very good, very tight, and and you know the away leg was trying to hold that 1-0 home advantage. It was... You know, I think only 20, 20 to 25 Aberdeen people were allowed to actually travel. So they had to leave some club officials behind. You know, it was, it was heat. It was, it was, you know, the players came back with all these stories about hotels and food and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that in itself felt like a, a, a huge sort of mission had been achieved. And, well, it um, really was going into the unknown. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I think if a side went and played in Albania now, you wouldn't know that much about it. No. But you could find out some stuff. Back in those days, as you say, especially with the dictatorship, you, you are going into the unknown completely. Literally, I mean, Ferguson said later that he, he'd never he'd never played a game in his career where he knew so little about the opposition. Right. And it was just a case of, of focusing on what Aberdeen could do and, and hoping it would it would be enough. So pr- presumably at half-time and it was nil and he didn't walk in the dressing room and go, lads, <laughs> it's Dinamo Tirana. <laughs> <laughs> possibly not. Um, possibly not. Well, in the next round, they play Lech Poznan. Yeah. Uh, we don't know if they were doing that celebration back then, but came through 3-0 on aggregate, so mm. a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, and 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 things, you know, in hindsight, Aberdeen was, were starting to build something because, as I say, the early part of Fergie's reign had been a couple of European peaks, like beating Ipswich when they were UEFA Cup holders, beating them well, actually, and, and thinking, oh, you know, Aberdeen are going to arrive in Europe, and then, then being disappointed. But by the time of the Lech Poznan game, I think Aberdeen had gone something like... 10, 11 games under Fergie with, in Europe and only lost one. So the, the form was starting to build. There were a lot of clean sheets in there. They were starting to get to grips tactically with, with what to do in Europe. You, 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 know, you could see Fergie was changing the, the kind of gung-ho approach and playing a much more sort of mid-heel, midfield-heavy tactical game. So that's all in hindsight. At the time, as a kid, you know, weren't really aware of that. But looking, looking back, there was, a, there was definitely a build of, of, of sort of form towards the... Uh, the 
during that came campaign, of course, which which mm. continued with Bayern and beyond. Absolutely. All right. After the break, we're going to talk more about Aberdeen's 1982-83 Cup Winners' Cup campaign. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by Better Help. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome back to Greatest Games, everybody. Now, let's get down to business. Mm. The game itself. So Aberdeen go into that tie. We've only conceded one goal in in uh, the competition thus far. And you talk about, you know, Ferguson drilling his players, how to play in Europe, obviously a different approach to Scotland. You mentioned before, they go away to Bayern. They draw nil-nil. And yeah. how was how that result received? Because a nil-nil can still divide opinion now. People think that's not a bad result. You set it up, or does it favour... The away side in the second leg. There was a there was a feeling of of huge achievement actually from that that nil nil as if maybe that's going to be as far as this goes. But Fergie, had, he, he, the classic classic set of mind games in, throughout that whole tie, and it started with the away leg where he the interviews that he gave pre match were things like, "Oh, we'd be happy just to get beaten two 0 You know, that'd be a good result. <laughs> nothing of the sort was in his mind. Uh, but that, yeah. And then there's a, there's an amazing story where. When they went to the Olympic Stadium the night before for for that training session, before the match, uh, Archie Knox usually took the the sort of pre-match stuff, and just as he was about to start a session, Fergie strode across, you know, ordered Archie to the side of the pitch. And immediately, Archie was a pretty fiery character. He stomped off in a huff, and Fergie organised this ludicrous routine where he put a set of players in the centre circle, 
and he had he had four groups, one at each corner flag, and he told them to just ping long balls at the guys in the centre circle, and then you know the guys in the centre circle then had to sprint to the the corners and then ping long balls into the the ones that arrived. People getting hit in the head and the face. And of course, it was all to make Aberdeen look really bad. The, the, uh, the German press were watching, the Bayern people were watching. They thought this was just some comical Scottish team. <laughs> and and uh, it was it was Aberdeen's first European, it's the first time he'd been in Europe after Christmas, wasn't it? So yeah. they, it was uncharted territory. It was. And, and you know, it was the first time since that Liverpool game we'd really played one of the, the aristocrats of Europe. So it, there, was, there was a lot unknown in it. But for, he, Fergie had this you know, amazing confidence, I guess, because you know, secretly he, he thought he was well capable of getting a result. Got his tactics spot on. You know, he, his big worry was Rummenigge, who was such a great player at the time, twice European footballer of the year. Um, but he had Willie Miller. And Willie Miller was, you know, to my dying day, I'll, I'll insist, was the Scottish Baresi, and that's a compliment <laughs> to Baresi rather than... <laughs> and Willie was put on on, on, on Rummenigge, um, which was the key thing in the match, and, and they had an incredible battle. Uh, Rummenigge, at one point, tried an overhead kick, knocked Willie Miller's teeth out. <laughs> Rummenigge, actually, being a gent, helped Willie find his teeth in the goal mouth. Um, and uh, yeah, they shook hands at the end, a sort of draw between them, but Aberdeen had nullified Bayern's biggest threat. And... and then at odds with that ludicrous training setup that he had beforehand, what you saw from Aberdeen was a really well structured, mm-hmm. uh, tactically mature performance where they, you know, they kept possession, they killed the game. They probably could have won it one 0 um, I mean, back home as a kid, these games weren't on TV. You know, I, I, I remember listening to that whole game on the radio at my mum and dad's sort of dining table, um, and that, that's how you had to consume it in those days. So I think Aberdeen played pretty well, but <laughs> really I've only got Radio Scotland to, to tell me. So how, how was it treated from Bayern's point of view? Did Bayern think, what on earth was that? Or, oh, that's a that's a sort of a minor stumbling block, we'll have to put them away in the second league. Yeah, Bayern respected Aberdeen after that. Manuli Honus, who was the, the, the general manager at the time, said, look, I, I, I said before the match how good this lot were. Nobody in Germany listened to me, you know, Honus had apparently said Aberdeen were going to be a tougher opponent than mm. drawing Real Madrid or, or Barca would have been. So there was a respect, but there was also a feeling from Bayern that they had an extra gear. They had a couple of extra gears. They were such a good team, they had such pedigree, that they would finish the job in, in, in Aberdeen. And, and of course, as you say, 0-0 can actually be a reasonable mm. result for the for the away team as well, going into the second leg. Yeah. So that's the second leg. Let's, mm. yeah, let's, let's, let's go, <laughs> go through it. It's a 10 minutes in. Mm. Brighton takes a free kick short. Agantala strides forward, takes it past. Um, who is it? He goes past. Well, he, he goes past two or three. I mean, he sidesteps. It's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little sidestep to the to his right, and then I think it's, it's I think it's Black. He goes past, isn't it? Mm. And then absolutely pings oh. on the top corner from yeah. twenty five yards. I mean, brilliant shot. But that's the extra gear you're talking about. Yeah. And so early on in the game, that's the moment you have a bit of fan faith. You think, blind, we've gone away to Bayern and yeah. nil nil. And it's so early in the game, they do that, and you go, "Oh yeah!" And suddenly yeah, they need to, <laughs> yeah, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and 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 Aberdeen's. I mean, Petodri's a funny old stadium, always has been, but capable of. You know, there's this thing that the old firm would always say: you can hear the rustle of sweetie papers in the, <laughs> in the stands at Aberdeen because it can be a very quiet ground. I think Aberdonians don't give their um, emotions away lightly, and and from a football perspective, that means the team has to be doing something pretty decent to to get people fired up. So I remember just that goal going in and it just killing, oh, it's so, killing the atmosphere. You almost think the goal's been disallowed, like the referee's blowing the whistle before. Yeah. 
And you even do. even jo- the the indomitable John uh, Jock Brown on yeah. commentary, he's almost sort of stunned slightly himself when that goal goes in, and he's and he, the way he commentates throughout the game actually at various points, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, inevitable, I suppose. Yeah. Really, the game's gone. See what Aberdeen can do, but pff, yeah, you can't argue with that. that That's the, the kind that of tone, it. isn't it? That that was it. But I mean, to be fair, that was the feeling. Yeah, even as a blinkered kid watching the, my own team that, that even you knew on a football level this this team is actually too good for us technically mm. and they were they were much better than Aberdeen yeah, there's something about no the aesthetic of that goal as well I mean something about the whole night that the fact the two kits are, are sort of mirror images of each other yeah. it's kind of classic but, Adidas well they're, they're both Adidas yeah. no no sponsors so Aberdeen playing red with the three mm. white stripes Bayern playing white with the three red stripes mm. and it's I don't know Agantala just looks oh, I don't know there's there's, there's just something incredibly elegant about him. Yeah, it is. Um, even his sort of ridiculous little German early 80s mullet somehow <laughs> looks good on him. <laughs> he was... And that shot, even, I mean, I don't know, something about the way Jim Layton dives for it is very of its era. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a, his build is very much early 80s goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And his dive, yeah, I guess, is the dive you make if that's your build. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite getting there. Uh-huh. It's a muddy pitch as well, isn't it? That adds to the... Yeah, it's just just muddy enough. It's not a fast, no. but it's, it's definitely of the early 80s. Yeah, and Augenthal, I, I, I mean, on the night, he seemed to be, of all of them, the, 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 the very best. And just even to get the ball out of his feet on that muddy pitch and shift it and put it in the top corners, and, and incredible technique, and just not something... You ever saw in the Scottish mm. League, but there was a, there was a lot more to come in the so, game. I mean, Aberdeen start to get back into the, the short corner, Kennedy's cross, McLeish heads yep. against the bar, and I, I guess I don't know. What, what were you thinking then? Okay, we can actually get them. Or were you thinking, no, oh, no, that that yeah. was our chance. There was a you know there was a lull, and then pressure starting to build, and and the optimism starts coming back a little bit, and and. Uh, you know, under not, not with Jock Brown, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he maybe. Yeah, he wasn't eleven to be fair to Jock. I mean, it, it, we, you know, we were, we were used to seeing these great surges, like you saw from Fergie's Man United. Yeah, surges of energy and surges of pressure from always was was from his teams, and, and Aberdeen managed to really start building something before half time and had Bayern pinned back. So mm. there was a feeling then that things were returning to slightly in Aberdeen's yeah. favour again. Well, they eventually get the equaliser. So six minutes before half-time, yeah. lovely little ball inside the full-back for McGee, yeah. lofted to the back post, uh, Black comes in, yeah. Yeah, the keeper sort of has, has misjudged the fight of the cross. And the keeper has a great game, but that's the yeah, one mistake uh, he makes. Uh, Muller, the Muller, keeper, isn't it? Yeah. And Black sort of heads it back across goal where it's blocked by Grober, mm. and then Simpson coming in, smashes it into the... Yeah. he was he was allowed to smash it. He, the defender could have had that away. Yeah, I think he could have swung at it first time. Maybe I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was actually a... in, in in. I looked at Fergie's two or two of Fergie's autobiographies. I don't know how he's actually written now. <laughs> but I looked at both of them, and there's definitely one of them where he describes it as you know one a tackle on the goal line. It yeah, isn't quite how it is. But I think you're right. I think <laughs> he definitely wanted it more. To yeah, use the, I, I'd say so. The, the, Parlance of the time. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, Simi Neil Simpson, he epitomised what Aberdeen were, I guess. Because he was a local lad, um, you know, fresh out of school, straight into the team. It was a team built around, you know, Millen McLeish, Strack, and they were, the, they were the, the sort of stars, really. But I guess the heart and soul were the four kids, the four local kids. Eric Black, who came from just up the coast. John Hewitt, an Aberdeen lad who, you know, had offers from Liverpool and Man United but signed for, you know, signed for Aberdeen at 15. I remember the back page of a local paper was a 15-year-old you know, signed for us. Um, Neil Cooper, who was born in India, but was 
basically an Aberdeen lad and, and, and Neil Simpson and um, that that kind of rangy determination and and you know perhaps intimidated the the, the German defender. That that's that that was that was just the force of the force of desire and physicality that that, that sort of ran through that team. Probably thanks to those those four kids mm. as much as anything else. So yeah, one all at half time, mm. and then a bit of optimism creeping yeah. in. And then, and then <laughs> a, f- a fabulous goal. It's a ridiculous goal. <laughs> I mean, this allowed, I mean, talking this allowed, it's too good, isn't it? Yeah. It's too good. So Bayern have sprung a slight tactical surprise by playing um, Hans Flugler, hmm. who was a, a left back, but he's quite a tall player. Yeah. And they played him on the left wing rather than the left back. Uh, the, I guess the idea being he'd get a, a Kennedy in the air. Yeah. And Kennedy ends up being taken off, but shortly before he's, he's taken off for 66 minutes, there's five minutes before this, there's a, a cross from the right... Aberdeen seemed to have everything right. McLeish, McLeish wins the header, it, yeah. heads are clear, and this left back turn left winger running onto it, <laughs> sort of the corner of the box, and just hits the most technically perfect left footed volley, sort of waist high. Yeah. I don't know, again, it feels a very early 80s strike of a ball. <laughs> His body shape is early 80s. It's all an early 80s version of the dance goal against Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Roy the Rover's stuff, I'd say. Yeah. And he, and he executes I, I, I like a trailer. I have to say, I'm not sure I. If I were Jim Leighton, I'm not well, sure I'd want to see it from behind the goal. Yeah, <laughs> it might, might we're not afforded there, the, the the cameras that we are now. But I wonder. Does, I mean, I don't suppose you know Johnny Viv has spoken to, but would Jim Leighton would he have been dis- oh, I no? No, I, that's a bit <laughs> no. ridiculous. I mean, much much Leighton, worse he... things were to happen to Jim Leighton. <laughs> 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 I think we can all agree. Yeah. To be um, fair to him, he wouldn't have been expecting. A yeah. shot to be struck that clearly, no. that cleanly at that moment. Well, I suppose that that shows you how good the goal was because yeah, it yeah, was yeah. on the keeper. It would have been his favoured post if if someone was going to have mm-hmm. a shot at goal, and yet it just sort of scuds past him into the corner. I suppose he's been tracking across goal, following yeah. across. Maybe he's not quite set for it, mm. but then I mean, it's a, look, it's a beautiful strike. It's yeah. a, I mean, Jim was known as a good shot stopper. Oh, no, he was, was a good keeper, like yeah, I mean, he was, certainly yeah. was. You know at that point and I mean the thing about it was Flugler just hits it like a training exercise it's, yeah. it, it's so kind of casually brilliant and dismissively good that that you know even more than the Augenthaler goal that just took the wind out of mm. the stadium sails at that, that, at that point where you just thought okay these these lot are too good and that's certainly how Jock Brown regarded it <laughs> in commentary yeah. uh, he's, I don't but, know Jock Brown's a commentator who I, I've certainly developed a fascination by doing, doing this podcast. Oh, but, yeah. But he's he's somehow quite often wrong, but strangely brilliant while being quite often wrong. Well, there's an odd... I mean, this, this is this is probably... There's probably scope for some kind of book in this from some, you know... But the, 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 I'm looking for ideas. So. Yeah. Well, or at least a Blizzard article. Yeah, perhaps. a Blizzard article, possibly. <laughs> but there was a history at the time of, of school teachers becoming football people in Scotland that had immense influence over Scottish football at the time. And, you know, you had Craig Brown and Andy Roxburgh Going into the national setup, mm. we had Archie McPherson and Jock Brown, school teachers who, 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 who you know, became became the two leading commentators. And there is a, there's something a little bit headmasterly about. Yeah, that. No, there is absolutely definitely. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's generally the tone of commentary. Yes. at the time. Oh yeah, they're but, teaching but, you. They, do you think yeah. Barry Davis is very sort of schoolmasterly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a, yeah. I didn't realise that about Jock Brown, but I would have probably been able to guess it. <laughs> I think he then suddenly oh. will use a very well, school teachery term. Let, 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 <laughs> let's get on to that. Let's move on to that straight away. So, so yeah, yeah. sixteen minutes later, there are thirteen minutes to go. Aberdeen need two to not mm. lose. Two, yeah, two to win, but also two to not lose. Did you want to describe what? Yeah, what I mean, I mean, quick, quick, but a couple of big tactical changes. We talk about fluid. Yeah, blood. sorry. Yeah. So you know, Ferguson he takes Stuart Kennedy off, and everyone thinks the striker's going to come on. 
Instead, he puts John McMaster on to play left back. You know, as I say, McMaster's this great technician, but he's essentially just swapped his fullback, sent on a left back when you're chasing the game. So that, that seemed odd. Did, did Rugby not swap sides? So, yeah, Rugby goes over to basically scare the life out of Flugler. Right. And, um, and, and <laughs> McMaster goes on on the left. And basically, Bayern was so well set at the time that I just Aberdeen needed the the most creative player in the park, which which was probably McMaster. And he, he just but went, Cooper dropped back as well, didn't he? We sort of gave Cooper became a holding player, yeah, right. yeah, or, or sort of freed up McMaster a bit. Yeah, and McMaster's job was just to try and ping, you know, kind of long passes from from where he could, and that did start to change the game. And Flugler was was quelled a little bit, and then John Hewitt um, comes on a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes before this um, this free kick, which. Will never be forgotten. No, well, I didn't win a free kick, sort of on the corner, mm. it's, it's a, a right side of the box. Yeah, as I yeah. look at it, a crossable position, we would say. Yeah, and and you know the classic thing to do: you send the centre backs up and you concentrate on getting a really good cross into the box, and that's plainly what. Yeah. The, well, McLeish had nearly scored earlier in the game from a similar similar thing, yeah. and then there's an interesting free kick routine involving Gordon Strachan and who was the other one? John McMaster. Oh, sorry, so yeah, you're right enough, yeah. So I mean, I mean, and there's, there's history to the, the this routine, but uh, I mean, it went back. Aberdeen went on a pre-season, mid-season training break to Portugal, and um, they they ended up with sort of rubbish pitch. It was full of sand, so they couldn't do anything else except practice set pieces. And Strachan came up with this um, this free kick routine at that time, and it was he called it the fuck up, the fuck up routine. <laughs> uh, and his words to McMaster was spammer, which was McMaster's nickname, but spammer were fucking this one up. So that, basically what it involved was McMaster and Strachan, left foot and right foot, are standing over the ball. Both of them were walking back at the same time and then both of them dummying the free kick at the same time as if, you know, one expected the other one to take and it. And they sort of, yeah, as if they're getting each other's way. As if, as well, yeah, so. as if they're misunderstood and yeah. they've gotten each other's way. Now, we'd seen it happening, they'd tried it in, in a, a corner kick in Scotland and, and the SFA had actually banned them from doing it at corners. I'd seen it against other Scottish opponents and it kind of sowed a bit of confusion but hadn't really led to anything. And by the time they tried it against Bayern, I mean, we knew in the stand, when you saw them walk back, you can add a sense and you were actually going, oh no, not the, no, not this one, this is embarrassing. <laughs> not you the know. fuck up. Not the, we're, we're already being taught a football lesson. <clears throat> you know, we're going to look so tin pot, <laughs> silly little free kick, and Byron will just head it away. <clears throat> but it's executed perfectly. And <clears throat> excuse me, but apparently at, at the time when 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 they, they they dummy it, they then start this fake argument, and Strachan was literally still swearing at McMaster, like you know, screaming at him when he when he then whips the ball into the box. Byron are completely rooted. It's like a lovely cross straight onto McLeish's head, and and a, and a sort of towering header. Um, to make it two two. To make it two two, and and the, the the Bayern Munich players could not accept that this was a trick. They couldn't accept that they'd <laughs> fallen for something as base as this. And apparently, in in, in the hotel afterwards, they, they they went back to the Ski and Do Hotel in Aberdeen, which was the best hotel at the time. And so the story goes: we're sat up in the bar, you know, in the small hours, arguing about this. <laughs> they couldn't have meant it it was your fault they couldn't have meant it it was a free you know, it was, it was a, it was so a what was Jock Brown's comment oh yeah. yeah so Jock, Jock Brown um, who initially sort of he, he he's surprised by it and, and, and he goes oh there's been a misunderstanding and then when Strachan puts it in they score and then they, 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 they replay it and he says 
a well-rehearsed piece of tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great, one of the great <laughs> phrases. You do not get that. Yeah. A well-rehearsed piece of tomfoolery. Moments early, though, he says, oh, bit of a mistake, bit or, of a, yeah. a bit of a mix-up there. And then moments after that, he goes, well, of course, if you thought that they were, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I knew very well that they, uh, <laughs> you know, hang on, Jock. I'm pretty sure, you know, everyone else in the stadium he's making out was fooled by this yeah, as well. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, Aberdeen fans are thinking, oh, we know what's going on here. And that's you know? the headmaster. And it was, I'm just, I'm just changing the answer and I'm right but it's not it's not STV's finest no. 40 seconds of broadcasting apart from that golden line because then what happens is that the, the, the camera then basically misses the, the <laughs> so all you see is a, a Black's header Muller pushes it yeah. out and Hewitt sticks it between Muller's legs he tries to get back to his yeah. feet yeah I mean for the, for, for the Don's fan connoisseur you can actually take a lot of pleasure in watching what happens because the, the camera focuses on McLeish mm. and they're talking about this is his second goal of the season or whatever it is. And McLeish, you, you can see that McLeish's eye is caught by something and he starts looking up towards the box. He's got this, this stare that becomes more expectant. And I've, I've watched it so many times, just enjoying <laughs> the, the emotions changing on McLeish's face as he's watching the, the, what, what's going to be a goal unfold. What is missed and wasn't captured for posterity is John McMaster's crossfield ball. Mm. He did exactly what Ferguson had sent him on to do. So it's a cross from the left wing. I mean, I genuinely don't know. Yeah. I've only seen the TV. So it's cross from the left it's wing. It's a beautiful long diagonal cross from the left wing, pretty much after regaining possession from the kickoff. And, and Bayern, their heads are still scrambled and, and McMaster just spears this fabulous ball onto Eric Black, who, who you know, best header of the ball I've ever seen. Um, rises like a salmon. Wonderful header. Manfred Muller, who has had a very, very good game, actually, it's an incredible save. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, he was denied one of the the great saves, really, by by Hewitt following up. But even then, it's so improbable because the, the 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 ball lands and Hewitt actually slips in the mud and and kind of gets this kind of nasty little touch with his the toe of his left foot, and it goes through Muller's legs, which Hewitt afterwards admitted it was a complete accident. You know, <laughs> didn't mean to do that. And, would would uh, I be harsh in saying it? Because Manfred Muller earlier on in the game. Makes a fabulous save yeah. from uh, from a black pl- header. Pl- he on the line yes. from a black header. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a phenomenal save. Yeah. From well, it's a phenomenal save. Part, I mean, just the fact he holds it as yeah. well. It would be, be, be a very good save yeah. if he pushed it away. Absolutely. Yeah. But he, um, he held on to this ball. It was a close-range header. Would it be harsh to say on that third Aberdeen goal? He he sort of tries to catch it again. Yeah. If he push a modern-day goalkeeper would probably push that over the bar, push it away. And it's our way from danger. But you see, seems... I, I think this is part of the thing about the shape of goalkeepers. I think modern goalkeepers are just bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they spend much more time in the gym. Mm. So they have greater forearm strength, greater wrist strength. And so that sort of flick away with the wrist will go further. Mm. And maybe the balls are different. I don't know. But th- that sort of goal yeah. feels like it used to happen quite a lot. And sure. now it, it just doesn't happen. Mm. The spring's not the same either, is it? Yeah. He doesn't spring like a, like a modern goalie. He kind of like jumps straight up and back down again. But within the, you know, and he's, he's, he's not Bayern's regular goalkeeper, as well, I have to say, it should have been John Marie Faf in, in goal and he was injured. But I, I yeah, look, I think he actually pulls off a really good no, save. No, it is a good save. It is a good save. It's just sort of of its time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And but then, I mean, the, and the extraordinary thing, I mean, look, I, I, I don't want to sort of refer one of Aberdeen's great moments, something that subsequently happened. But the idea that a Ferguson team 16 years later. Yeah. would stiff Bayern Munich again <laughs> with two implausible goals from crosses into the box yeah. in the space Increased. of a minute. Uh-huh. It's ludicrous, isn't it? <laughs> it's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, and, and what was... It's funny when you say, because obviously Bayern Munich, those two goals, great quality. Mm. 
nearly damp in Aberdeen. Yet the they're free- proper goals, not these messy Scottish goals. <laughs> <laughs> but the free but the free kick routine, it it did feel like they'd properly mugged them off. They did. And and when Ferguson, the final whistle goes and scenes of celebration, the fans are on the pitch <laughs> and all that, the way Ferguson kind of jogs or sort of runs... But yeah, what's that back? He just sprints to the top, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, no sort of thought his... of kind of savouring the moment or... But I think... But, no. but I feel like Ferguson, I almost feel like he's smiling and laughing as he's running off. Yeah, it's a bit of a Mourinho... It's a, almost it like is. a Mourinho run down the touchline. It, it, it is. Is, is it because of invasions? Is that why he does that to get out of the way? Or is yeah, it, you, is know, it, is you can see the pitch invasions coming. Yeah. But, but with Ferguson, though, you'd probably think, for him... You, he can't be seen celebrating that. You got a semi-final in the final, no, no. and so for I, I, to me that is like there's almost classic Ferguson. He's running down the touchline, laughing to himself, going, <laughs> "We have just mugged you off, Bayern. Thank you very much." But if you think yeah. I'm going to now get caught up in the celebration, I will wait until we've got the trophy. Until Were you we... on the pitch, Johnny? Oh no, God! I mean, my dad wouldn't let me. Two cents for that. Probably the only pitch invasion ever at Petrodri as well, because it's not that type of stadium. Well, it was all seater, wasn't it? So yeah, well, yeah, first all seater, all, all, yeah, all covered. Yeah, yeah. But what I do remember as a kid was, I mean, as I say, Aberdonians are not known for being tactile. I mean, I still, when I see my dad, even now, we kind of do a very, very kind of comedy hug, you know, and, and reference the fact that we're doing a hug, you know, because it's it's so unnatural, much more comfortable in the days you could just nod at each other and you can't do that anymore but in, you know in, in the 80s Aberdonians were Aberdonians and there were just you know just was unheard of what happened that night you you know you were you were kind of hugging the people next year you were as a kid sort of people ruffling your hair strangers were, were I can see why that doesn't happen anymore but I just I just remember it, like it's, the city suddenly felt exotic just yeah. for that yeah even that 15 minutes in the south stand where I was was just this this kind of atmosphere that you'd associate maybe more with the Celtic fans or the mm-hmm. Rangers fans when you saw them come to town the kind of stupid emotional Ouija's when they turned up you know but here was us <laughs> as Aberdonians actually letting go just a little bit and and, mm-hmm. and um, you know the songs were pretty basic I mean we, we you know we we had here we go bouncy 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 um, Aberdeen I mean pretty like yeah. one word or, or two word <laughs> songs but that night just felt like. You know, it all came together. Celebration, yeah. And if, if and if beating Bayern wasn't big enough, Real Madrid in the final. Yeah, what a story. And that was the that, that you know in a way it was a rehearsal for, for for Real Madrid because you know Fergie pulled off some of the very same tricks in terms of talking up Real Madrid and how great they were. And Jock Steen had told him this 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 sort of stunt to to pull where you know he said go and make to Stefano who was the Real Madrid manager go and make to Stefano feel important. So Fergie got a fine bottle of whiskey and presented it to him and. <laughs> you know, kind of made out as if he was just honoured to be in the same mm-hmm. dugout area as De Stefano. And again, you know, Aberdeen were m- much more convincing in the game. They were pretty much in control of that Cup Winners' Cup final. But there was a similar vibe, you know, playing one of the greats, allowing themselves to be underestimated. And of course, the dynamic of John Hewitt scoring at the at the death um, from, from, a, from a cross um, to... To win the game, um, and and an amazing sort of, I guess, eight weeks in in in, in the life of a twelve-year-old. I mean, at that time, I I just thought Aberdeen were one of the fact, one of the best club sides in the world, and we're going to win the European Cup next. And goodness knows where this dominance will end. And my dad would just laugh at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> so just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Abedonian hugs all round. <laughs> uh, well, there we are, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for Lovely. for talking us through that one. Um, and thank you for listening to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. For, for more stories like that, do check out uh, the the Blizzard website. Jonathan, where can they find that? Theblizzard.co.uk. Easy peasy. And of course, uh, don't forget uh, on Football Ramble Daily, we're Monday to Saturday here. So subscribe to make sure you never miss a show. We'll see you next time. a Stakhanov production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.